the uh, situation right now is in a flux. They haven't been any uh, significant and conclusive research or studies on what specifically has changed during the pandemic when it comes to feedback. But I can reflect on the past couple of years and uh, reflect on the trends. Definitely the importance of feedback has increased. And uh, you mentioned the redesign of performance management to move it from an annual process when feedback is given once a year uh, to more uh, um, touch bases, check-ins, giving continuous feedback. So, uh, and definitely with these attempts, uh, we have increased the awareness of people and we have been more intentional in educating uh, the leaders and employees and raising awareness of why feedback is uh, important because it's information on how you can improve your levels of performance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Today, we are going to chat about a topic that has been in the minds of many business leaders, of many HR leaders for a long time, especially since the advent and the dawn of the newer generations, millennials and Generation Z, and that is the topic of feedback. You know, for a long time, and I think it's it's been at least 10 years since we started talking about redefining and reimagining everything that has to do with the performance management process and make it more feedback oriented. And we are going to have a conversation about that today. And especially I want to also know and understand how this whole concept of feedback has changed in this new world of work that we're living in, which is more remote, more flexible, hybrid, and whatnot. And we are going to have a conversation about this with somebody who has been working in this space for years. He actually is the co-author of the book, Fair Talk, Three Steps to Powerful Feedback. So Sergey, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Enrique. It's great to be here. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. And for everybody, by the way, you know, Sergey and I have a... Uh, you know, a connection besides just being in this community of HR. Sergey's sister-in-law, she is from Venezuela, which is my birth country as well. So I think we we, we could talk about Venezuela as well in the podcast, but we're going to talk about feedback. <laughs> well, not just sister-in-law. I live with, uh, with Venezuelans. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, the, the connection is deeper than it. The connection is deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, maybe one day we have to do a podcast about just Venezuela, but for now we're going to focus on, on feedback. And, and I want to start by asking you, Sergey, uh, you know, wh- what has changed when it comes to feedback now that we are in a world of work where people are more, uh, you know, are ha- working in a hybrid environment or fully remote? What has changed? That's a great question. And uh, to I, I can't answer it directly just because we, we, we don't know yet. Yeah. The uh, situation right now is in a flux. They haven't been any uh, significant and conclusive research or studies on what specifically has changed during the pandemic when it comes to feedback. But I can reflect on the past couple of years and uh, reflect on the trends. Definitely the importance of feedback has increased. And uh, you mentioned the redesign of performance management to move it from an annual process when feedback is given once a year uh, to more uh, um, touch bases, check-ins, giving continuous feedback. So, uh, and definitely with these attempts, uh, we have increased the awareness of people and we have been more intentional in educating 
the leaders and employees and raising awareness of why feedback is uh, important because it's information on how you can improve your levels of performance and without that information in the absence of awareness and we know that typically people are uh, not self-aware uh, no performance improvement uh, happens so there is this uh, understanding that feedback is important and we need more of that at the same time we also know that it is a rare commodity it's <laughs> rarely given and there are certain trends both in the business uh, r related to the speed of the business, the way how we're doing the business, the pandemic. And I can suppose that in the virtual environment, feedback is given less. And also the social uh, tendencies such as Me Too, um, racial issues. In, in this situation, we know that managers would be more apprehensive of giving honest developmental and performance feedback for the fear of saying something that could get them into trouble. Yeah. So, so think, uh, to, to summarize, in, in the environment where feedback is needed more, it's, it, it, it's given less. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think they need to be perhaps educated, uh, supported more from HR on how to give that feedback in an environment where, you know, we got to be careful with the, the words we use and the way and the, even the conditions, you know, I mean, you don't want to give feedback to somebody about work, you know, if they are going through some, you know, pretty difficult situations in their personal lives, right? So do you think they need to be educated more to, you know, do this better? In in the fall of 2018, my co-author Angela Lane and I ran a study uh, with senior leaders in HR, and the outcomes of the study were fascinating. Uh, we uh, well, first of all, we, we we saw clear difference in how leaders in HR view feedback giving in organizations, and particularly its frequency. Uh, when we looked at the HR responses. The HR people say, well, leaders give feedback to their employees at least once a week. We had 80% of HR saying that. When we looked at the leader responses, uh, one third of leaders said, I never give feedback to my employees. <laughs> so in HR, we wear these pink glasses and uh, we see the world as a better place than uh, uh, pr probably it is. So Brownie points to the leaders for honesty and a lesson for us in the profession. We also ask questions around, okay, so if you're not giving feedback, why? What are the reasons? And there were lots of reasons ranging from political issues, you know, uh, my employees, the uh, nephew of the VP, uh, so yeah. um, that, that, that that's why I'm not giving this feedback or I don't have the tools or I don't know how to or it's difficult for me. And again, looking at the difference in HR and leader responses, number one reason why HR believe leaders don't give feedback is they think that leaders are conflict avoidant. They don't want to get uh, into relational issues with their employees and that's why they avoid giving that information. Leaders 
overwhelmingly said, we don't have the right skills to give feedback. Wow. So they say it, it's uh, the, the leader responses were, it's not about conflict. It's about we don't know how. And if you think about it, Enrique, when do we teach people how to give feedback? At what stage in their career? Yeah, probably never. Uh, well, uh, like it's, for, it's, formally. It's, typically, it's typically the topic of um, frontline supervisory courses. You start working in the organization. When you get your first managerial job, you, you, they teach you about feedback and then it's, it's done. You, yeah. Then at the manager, the director level, they teach you strategy, they teach you vision, they teach you digital marketing, how to uh, deal in new environments that are flexible. They, we don't go back to the topic of feedback, just assuming that people have mastered this competence. But people might be joining from different organizations where they have where they haven't uh, done those courses. They might have skipped a level and never been a supervisor and they might have been promoted. Um, you know, you do an MBA and you get a managerial job somewhere else. So uh, it, we, we, we need to make sure that these critical skills uh, are constantly being integrated into the learning activities uh, throughout the management curriculum. Because we see that even senior leaders very often struggle to identify the performance issue, really nail down, okay, what is uh, the issue here? Where do I need to uh, turn the switch to unlock performance? Then to craft the feedback message that would, that, that, that would really deliver that information in a clear and succinct way uh, to the employee, what needs to be changed? How do I create the expectation of what needs to be changed and explain what good looks like and make sure that I do that in a way that makes the employee receptive to yeah. hear that feedback and act upon it. I, I, I want to ask you something. I have this friend and this one story, of course, and, and, and I by no means I'm generalizing, but it's not the first time that I hear the same story. This guy was you know, growing in a, in a technical track in the work where, uh, in the job he had and there was nowhere else to grow technically. So he was promoted to a leadership position, meaning that now he needed to decrease the amount of technical work that he was doing and started to focus, him, to focus more on developing people. He told me, I hate that. I hate that because I love my technical work. I don't want to be giving feedback every week to people because that's not what I do. I, I love my technical work, but there was nowhere else where I could grow. So let me transform that into a question because that's not the first time that I hear leaders that uh, love their technical work. And it's not that they don't like people, but they don't like to do that leadership, uh, that developmental role of helping others grow as well as in providing them feedback and whatnot. Do you think, do you think we need to rethink who actually becomes a leader even before providing them with this feedback training? Because there are some of them that even, even if you provided them with all the training, they don't always want to be there, you know? And, and, and so I'm, I'm pushing the, uh, the envelope a little bit to think beyond just the feedback and into more more into the space of leadership. What do you think about that? I would like to turn the question around and ask yeah. do we need to rethink why people accept those jobs? Yeah, well, that's why true. do people <laughs> accept the jobs they don't like? Yeah, yeah. Well, in this, in, in this case, there was the answer of there was nowhere else to grow and but, but you're many, totally there, right. Yeah. There, there are many other companies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So if you move into a job that you know you're not going to like and you're doing it for the reasons of 
objective career success. That is uh, a title, money, those are the wrong reasons. So yeah, you end true. up being miserable in a role. Which he was, um, by the way. <laughs> he, he everyone who reports to you is miserable. Yeah. You're not doing a good job. You're not happy with yourself. What is the likely outcome of that? Yeah. Down the road. So, and somebody in the organization hasn't recognized that. Uh, the, the, the leaders of the person, the talent management function uh, who have put that uh, person in the role. Now, there are companies uh, that uh, whenever such a technical expert is needed and they know that uh, social skills are wanting, they would put a chief of staff type of person uh, to report to uh, there, uh, typically for most senior roles. Is that the right solution? I, I, I typically don't like those type of roles, but sometimes it's necessary, yeah. particularly if you have a deep expert that you won't find anyone in the market that is a really critical role and you and, and you must do that. And you realize that the person is largely uncoachable. Not, not, <laughs> not, not everyone can be developed yeah. in meaningful ways fast in the areas where you need them. So sometimes you do need a a band-aid you, you need a temporary solution and uh, there are solutions like the, the the chief of staff roles but i think that we need to be more creative and more flexible in matching the right profiles and uh, the aspirations of people to the opportunities that we have in the companies and if those opportunities don't exist well they must exist somewhere yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and by the way, you know, you're, you're totally right. I mean, there are people who are not coachable in certain areas and that's totally okay. You know, like not everybody can do everything and, you know, there's there's nothing wrong. I mean, if somebody oh, tried to coach me on being a baseball player, they would waste their time because I am, I suck as a baseball player, right? Yeah. So, um, and that's okay. You know, I don't have to be a great baseball player and that that's totally fine. Right, um, and if you have a narcissist, um, don't even try coaching a narcissist yeah. they, they, they are pretty much they, they won't listen um yeah. they will yeah. uh, be defensive yeah. so um yeah. and, you, and they could bring everything in the organization down um um uh, sergey let me ask you this question as we're getting closer to wrapping up our our chat and i want to tie this back to to you know the conversation around feedback uh there are some organizations that are struggling to to create this culture of feedback, right? I mean, and you you just mentioned one reason there's a misunderstanding between what HR people think about why feedback is not happening and between and, and what business leaders think about why feedback is not happening. But to me, um, and, and this is my, my own sort of personal assessment of the situation, somebody has to step up and say, hey, everybody, let's find out what's going on here. And in my view, that should be HR. So if that was true, what do you think HR could do to begin a conversation of understanding of, uh, you know, finding why the cultural feedback may not be working the way they want it to work and, and getting it to work? What do you think should be the first one or two steps? First, let me challenge on this statement that it should be HR. It's the responsibility of every leader to deliver on the business objectives and goals. Yeah, absolutely. If you have a team of knowledge workers 
where you don't see the output of their work or you uh, it's difficult to see the progress you know they are creatives or they create code it's you, you, you don't uh, necessarily see the physical goods coming out of them so you can't see the work now with pandemic or global travel you don't see the worker how do you ensure delivery of those objectives or how do you ensure improvement of performance it's only through feedback yeah. it's only through check-ins and seeing how they're uh, they're doing and uh giving them constant feedback on on, on the progress so yeah. it's the leadership responsibility and actually one of the few levers that leaders have at their disposal today to make sure that they increase collective performance so if you're a smart leader even in the organization where the culture of feedback is non-existent there are lots of things that you can do within your team and uh, for that you need to go counter-cultural but by doing that you will be ensuring higher performance and you will be building your leadership brand within the organization but if we turn to HR and we say okay yes absolutely HR has a role to play and that is the more a broader organizational systemic role well look at the cultural levers that uh, th that you have at your disposal what's the tone at the top so what do your senior leaders believe and say about feedback uh, what behaviors they demonstrate uh, because um, everything starts there the culture of the organization is determined by the values of the governing elite yeah. so what your senior leaders believe say and do around feedback that's typically what trickles down and percolates uh, in the organization uh, is the governance around around feedback so who makes decisions about how performance management process is done how informal feedback is uh, is, is happening um, so do you have the right forums to make sure that whatever you do around feedback is sustainable uh, third is there a policy in the organization and a policy determines what good looks like in terms of what type of feedback is given on what characteristics or skills how frequently uh in in in, in which situations so uh, that needs to be clear that are your organizational expectations of leaders how feedback should be given and then fourth you need the right processes and processes basically operationalize your policy so how is that integrated um, in your performance management system in your leadership trainings in your expectations on how one-on-ones happening and so on then you need to look at the tools and technology that you have and understand okay uh, is there the right infrastructure in the organization that would enable that feedback and I, how do you upskilling so skills and competences of the employees and finally linking all of those elements together what's your change management process and how do you integrate and incorporate all of that together yeah. and all of those elements and levers need to be talking to each other yeah. and they need to be developed at about the same level if you have ups and downs and you and you have big disconnect between them uh, for instance you can have everything else in place and then the tone at the top uh, is totally different yeah. uh, senior leaders don't believe in feedback they don't give it well your Everything efforts crumbles. will be 
largely undermined uh, yeah. by that. So uh, NHR should be looking at those levers, conduct an assessment yeah. of the feedback culture, see where the biggest areas of opportunities are, and being intentional about solving for that, and then repeating that assessment later and later again. So, and uh, we, we, we studied that. If you want a short version of the assessment, it is in, um, in the Fair Talk book. All right. And uh, it's a quick, uh, it's a quick diagnostic that you can run with your leaders and with your HR. Well, client. absolutely. Well, um, Sergey, thank you so much for sharing all those insights for everybody. Go to the Fair Talks book uh, from Sergey and please check it out. You know, all of these ideas expanded in the book and the assessment that Sergey is talking about. Sergey, thank you so much for being with me today and sharing your insights and your recommendations with the community. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Enrique. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong. And we will see you soon.